Simply King Podcast, and it's your boy Rodney Perry King himself, and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. And today is a special one. I am going live right here to, on TikTok, so shout out to everybody on TikTok who jumps in. If you stay in, I appreciate you. If you couldn't, it's all good. Um, for everybody who's listening, I appreciate, want to give a shout out to my patrons, to my patrons who are hearing this early who are hearing this audio, who are hearing and watching this early, whichever version they would like. If you would like to join the Patreon, it is it is $5 to start. It is $20 to have a little more fun. Get into it. You know what I'm saying? You can find that links under my bio under Kings underscore memoirs on all, all, all of my platforms that Kings underscore memoirs is. Make sure that you follow the podcast page on IG, Simply King Pod, as well as Make sure that you check out the services that I have um, for my Life is King page at lifeisking.com, giving you digital marketing as well as creative production assistance. But I don't want to take too much of y'all time. We got so much to cover. We got so much to do. I'm revisiting an episode that I have haven't, you know what I'm saying, spoken to in quite some time. And I think it's going to be something that's going to be for the books because as i was writing this outline i was like what am i tipping on i'm doing something i'm going somewhere with this i'm going somewhere real real for this you know but let's get into it okay this is simply king so i did an episode about um in march which was this march 25th 2019 called separate and it was question question mark separate and it's essentially about, I gave a breakdown of the cultural dilemma of separating the artist from the art. At that time, I highlighted a article um, written in Vox by a, uh, by a journalist w- with the article titled, What Do We Do When the Art We Love Was Created by a Monster? Mm. And in addition, I also brought in particular examples of that time, which entailed the transgressions of Bill Cosby, Kanye West at that time. <laughs> we know that the list continued uh, and um, R. Kelly at that time. So where I felt and the biggest thing that I was trying to address is that you have the option always to separate the art from the artist. That's always a thing. And I enlisted kind of, you know, these various, you know, philosophies that you can have to do so. But I think that, that the funny thing about that dilemma is that people want folks to get the space, the space to be able to do it on their own and for, to not be chastised for the type of music and the type of you know movies and shows they listen to that might involve people who, quote unquote, might be problematic. So let's get into it. Some of the key takeaways for everybody who probably didn't catch that episode, highly suggest you go back and listen. It was a good one. But some of the key takeaways were this. Not only was it brought about the Me Too movement and it raised kind of, you know, the important question of how we consume the art, whether we should continue, you know, supporting certain artists. 
accused of sexual misconduct specifically, um, which has led to this broader conversation, right? And second being the author argues that while it's possible to appreciate the technical skill and the artistic uh, merit of a work of art, for example, it's hard to watch a Woody Allen film about relationships when he has been accused of sexually abusing his daughter. That's wild. That's crazy. Why will we continue to watch somebody like that? Right. And then lastly, ultimately, the decision of whether to separate an artist from their art is a personal one that depends on individual values and beliefs. However, the author suggests that we should be mindful of the power of art and the potential harm that can be caused by supporting artists who have engaged in abusive behavior. You feel me on TikTok? So that's what it is. That was what I kind of, you know, used as the the body of everything and kind of brought in those, you know, supporting points to really drive the point home that these men can still be supported for the art that they create, but it's on you. Some of these things are, you know, good examples of things that are very far reaching and detached from who they are. For instance, with Bill Cosby, he's not somebody who you have to, you know, part, part ways with the idea of his, the things that he's created because it was so many people involved. You may watch it and it felt connected to Theo, to Rudy, to Vanessa, to Denise, um, to maybe even, you know, depending on your age, maybe even Claire in some way, shape or form. Or maybe you actually did admire the character that was Cliff Huxtable and you can separate the two. But supporting the man himself is questionable. And you you can't like it's polarizing. It's 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 obviously, you know, what I'm saying a hot topic. But in reality, you have to hold on to what you invest in your interest into. You still got to hold that. You can't be shamed of that. You got to be standing that 10 toes because if you don't, then that looks crazy that you want people to support you and you supporting somebody who has, we know for a fact, has done something that is, you know, unquestionable, deplorable and, and, and reprehensible, all these different things. You know what I'm saying? So let me turn off these invites. I'm not inviting anybody, unfortunately. Um, for everybody on TikTok, I'm not inviting anybody on for this particular conversation, but we can debrief. We can talk about it later. Stay in, get all the, get all the vibes. Cause I'm a, it's going to be a vibe. You know what I'm saying? Stay with, stay with me, stay with me. But I continue. As I said on my story on TikTok, I'm addressing not only Chris Brown, we're going to talk about Tory Lanez and we're going to talk about what I like to call the soul on ice generation. Because I think that though these three areas of things will more than likely kind of catch us, catch us up on this overall topic of separating the art and the artist. Now, in my last two recent posts, I spoke to the kind of, you know, long lasting history of violence that Chris Brown has showed the world. I think that a lot of people, a lot of fans of Chris Brown forever come to his aid by saying that, you know, you need to get over it. The Rihanna thing happened so long ago. Why y'all still holding that against him? Y'all need to let this go. Y'all need to let this go. And in reality, we need to understand that Chris Brown is the reason for people continuously bringing these things up. In my very last post, the second part of the, the you know, blackballed or bad PR post that I made on TikTok, I addressed a laundry list of things. There has been something of, quote unquote, either violence or misbehavior in some way, shape or form that dates all the way back to 2011, 2012, which was just a few years shy from the Rihanna incident. He, the last 
of offense that he actually committed that was any way, shape, or form violent happened in 2022. This man has a $20 million lawsuit from a woman alleging that he raped and drugged, drugged and raped in that order in Miami. So we talking about somebody who is still able to garner millions of dollars, being able to be lifted up and, and literally nominated for Grammys. And he yet still complains that the world is against him. And I like to say that that's not the case. If the world was genuinely against Chris Brown, he would not be where he is today. He is the one of the most successful people to enact violence that we can genuinely prove. It's not alleged. It's not alleged. It's not no alleged anything. It's what it is. Chris Brown has done bad things to people, not just Rihanna, not just Carucci, but also Frank Ocean. Two random men in D.C., his manager, his manager, the list goes on in like countless other situations from him literally being kicked out of Canada, kicked out of Australia, you know, visa provoked, you know, revoked for this reason and that reason that he got to cancel all these different things. The man is coming off like a menace. And the part that I would like to genuinely address is that he is one of the best Best examples of somebody living free, even in spite of all these particular transgressions that they that he has had. And I think that that should be truly brought into account, because, bro, if you really genuinely couldn't be here, couldn't do this, wasn't allowed to do this, then you would not be here. You would not be able to be next to somebody who is only a who's not even agree, who's right next to Beyonce, a person who you never really collaborated with. And that's why people are questioning. That's why people are doing more about that, but more about that part later, right? Now, I think that we have to come into, you know, coming to terms about something. And, you know, this is still a fresh topic. When we talk about, you know, Tory Lanez of all people, Tory Lanez to me represents a newer version of quote unquote, you know, Chris Brown. There's something about talent. There's something about having a particular talent or being able to entertain people that really makes people start to move the goalpost on their morality. And I think it's I think it's most prevalent in some of the most moral of the overall community being black women. That's the part that always shakes the table when black women come to the defense of some of these men, when black women come and say, hey, y'all need to ease up. Y'all need to let that go. Rihanna, you know what I'm saying? She apologized. Y'all need to let that go. We need to be able to jam to this thing and let leave, leave it alone. Leave it alone. I think Tory Lanez is represents a newer artist where people are trying to moderate, moderate him in some way, shape, or form, where they want to make him into a person that has been unrightfully characterized as an individual who should still not only be supported, but things are being put on him that he didn't really genuinely earn. And the fact of the matter is, is that's not the case. That's not the case. He has cases outside of Megan. He has incidents where he was actually violent outside of Megan. So let's not, let's keep it real funky when we talk about certain things. And I think that people pick and choose. 
if there's violence only against men, then that's something that we shouldn't really ever really address. And, you know, men are violent to each other. It is what it is. People get into scraps. People do things. But that should still be addressed. That still should be something that we really genuinely bring some attention to, because why do we let somebody who causes violence on others continuously be able to increase their wealth? It's a weird thing, because in what world do we uh, are we okay with that? What world are we genuinely all right with that as a idea? In most cases, in a personal context, if somebody that you was with is going upside your head, I highly doubt that you want them to keep their job. <laughs> I, I can bet that you would more than likely want them to be people who understand that that's not right. That's not okay. They can't do that to people. But instead, a lot of people are genuinely applauded. Even you can even say that they are even rewarded sometimes with some of these things. You know what I'm saying? Rewarded after reward. In some way, shape or form from either being able to still get access to certain things that the average person doesn't get access to because they are celebrities. The goalpost is forever moved. And that's not a level of grace that's given to the average man. And it's damn sure not a level of grace that's given to the average black woman either. Like we 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 and I'm not even trying to cape for. Her, but this is just to just position this example. We have all the things that these men have done, right? But Chrisette Michelle did one song <laughs> and her career is over. And she did the thing that people would say you separate or and that had a, people that spoke to a lot of who we thought her to be. Now, you can love the music. You can think so much about what the music is. But to be kind, to be quite honest, how good does the music have to how how bad does the music have to be for you to blame somebody for their transgressions and hold them accountable and for us to be a united front on that? Because I think that's the thing. That's the issue is that we're not a united front on the scenario, on the situation. But I want to slightly pivot. I'm on topic, but slightly pivot. Thanks for everybody who's joining me on TikTok right now. I would appreciate you if you, you know, if you sticking with me and you liking what you're hearing to tap that like button. You know what I'm saying? It helps us. As they say, it helps us. And to just remind everybody on TikTok and everybody who's listening, if you want to see, get the early, early audio and video of this to make sure you subscribe to my Patreon. Subscribe to the Patreon starting at five dollars It's something that you should do because it's not only going to be entertainment over there. It's not only going to be thought provoking content, but it's going to be personal development things. It's going to be creative development things. Let's get into it. Come and join me. But to continue. I want to pivot slightly to a generation. I want to talk about a generation because I thought about adding in a third person. Um, but before I get into the generation, I almost forgot one note. I have honorable mentions of people that are kind of go under the radar despite their transgressions. They're still allowed to be in the mix, in the industry, regardless of what we all publicly know that they've done, you know? Three people within the music industry that have basically went quiet after so many different things, but they still, you know, they still in the mix. They still are being seen. One is T.I. And T.I. has consistently, consistently <laughs> basically dodged more jail time, but he has been alleged to, you know, have assaulted multiple people, him and his spouse. 
we know we know about the incidents between him and Floyd and all these various things, because I'm talking about violence in general, not even just violence against women, but violence in general. You got Fab and Emily and that old overall beef and Emily's father. We know that he knocked out her teeth. They told us this. They told us this. We got this information from the source. But we still let him, you know, have his summertime shootouts. It is what it is. That's on you. But like I said, you can't get mad if people judge who you support and invest in. That's all I'm saying. Then you have Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons, if you don't know, you should know, is a the founder of Def Jam. It came out several years ago that he had a laundry list. And this was kind of the, in the middle of the Me Too movement when a lot of people were coming home to roost. He was one of those people who got brought up as literally assaulting someone that worked for him over a decade ago. And more people came up and said that things were happening with them, too. And he like went to like Bali or Indonesia or something. He got the <laughs> he got out of Dodge. You feel me? <laughs> and that's what the type of things that we're working with. These are the type of people that we're working with. And I think that interesting part about that is. We have allowed and created space for people to I think there's one there's difference between showing grace and really enabling bad behavior. <laughs> I think showing grace is really, truly understanding the humanity of a person. Understand that they might fall short and that they can change and they, they can grow. But you really can't call that grace when somebody continuously, continuously and knowingly is abusive of some of a certain thing. In that same post that I posted about Chris Brown, I addressed that in 2017, while he was in rehab, he learned that he had schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So he's very well that he knows that he's not all well. And so it sounds like to me, he's actively, you know, rebelling against possible treatment to become and show up in a better way as a better person. He's not doing it. He's just not. So we how 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 sorry can I genuinely feel that his career isn't going the way that it is? We consistently does things that make you think. I don't think that this is a good person. Should I continuously support him wholeheartedly? Probably not. I might listen to a song. I'm I'm not going to, you know, make a fuss about people who play the songs. But I, but for people who decide to, I'm not going to also check them either. It's like, look, if you want to make this a conversation, you that's, you got all rights to. That's your that's your feelings. That's what it is, because that's the world we live in. If these are the things that keep happening and they are able to still exist in this world and you support them, then it's not a, well, I mean, they, they ain't in jail, so it is what it is. That's not how life works. It's plenty of criminals walking around. And I ain't talking about black criminals. Plenty of white criminals walking around that still are out here living, shaking and moving that ain't nobody seeing about all the time. So, yes, we should be holding people within our community responsible because they look to us to continues to lift them up and show support and protect them in some way, shape or form when they get in trouble. That's all I'm saying. But the soul on ice generation, I would like to say, I would like to categorize the soul on ice generation as people who were adults in the sixties, as well as people born during the late sixties and early seventies examples. Dave Chappelle, for instance, was born in 1973, a good kind of in-between person who was in that time was, Actually, Steve Harvey. 
born in 1957. He represents that gap where, you know, he's on the cusp of that, you know, those generations. But I think he still came up in that same situation. Soul on Ice is actually a book written by Eldridge Cleaver. Eldridge Cleaver is actually a black, a writer and Black Panther Party member in the 60s, specifically of the Black Panther Party, um, this particular, you know, group that was in Oakland, led by Huey P. Newton. He served in the higher ranks of Black Panther Party, but he wrote this book after his release from prison called Soul on Ice. And it became one of the most popular books at that time and was a seminal work for African-American literature to everybody who was, you know, alive at that time. Some of the themes that were, you know, in it were obviously African-American life, uh, uh, criticisms on the overall justice system and just black life, um, sexuality, um, so many different things. But some of the most critical things that came from this was his admission to his heinous crimes. And this is a trigger warning for everybody who's 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 listening and watching trigger warning, because I am about to get into something that is very triggering. And these are quotes, right? So basically, and I quote from. So the title is Eldridge Cleaver, Black Panther, who became a GOP conservative is dead at 62. And this was, you know, and this was published in 1998. And they, you know, speak about his, you know, works on So Long Ice. Um, but I wanted to read something um, because this is directly from the book. These are his words. Like I said, trigger warning to everybody listening. I became a racist to refine my technique and, oh, excuse me, rapist became a rapist <laughs> to refine my technique and modest operandi. I started out by practicing on black girls in the ghetto and the black ghetto where dark and vicious deeds appear not as aberrations or, devi or deviations from the norm, but as part of the sufficiency of the evil of the day. And when I considered myself smooth enough, I crossed the tracks and sought out white prey. I did this consciously, deliberately, willfully, and methodically. Though looking back, I see that I was in a frantic, wild, and completely abandoned frame of mind. Rape was an insurrectory, in, insurrectionary act. Insurrectionary act. It delighted me that I was defying and trampling upon the white man's law, upon his system of values, and that I was defiling his woman. And this moment, I believe, was the most satisfying to me because I was very resentful over the historic fact of how the white man has used the black woman. I felt I was getting revenge. What? <sighs> I, 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 that's really enough, to be quite honest. I don't know what else we need to really say. That is the man that Eldridge Cleaver really was. And you heard the title. From Black Panther Party member to conservative Republican, and he went to jail for raping white women, not the black women, not the dozens of black women that he raped, but the ones he started to cross those tracks as he wrote in his book. That is when he started to be actually held accountable, but he didn't serve much time. <laughs> he only served a little bit of time and came out as a bestseller. Was able to be was able to find a wife within the community 
and have children. And they were married for 20 years. He was able to function and be amongst everyone for 20 years and eventually became a part of the conservative GOP before he died and was considering to run for office as well. How did we get there where you are against the man, a black panther, sticking it to the man, say that you were defiling white women as revenge to the overall white patriarchal power structure and you are sent you assimilate heavily to the point to where you join the conservative GOP make it make sense now I want y'all to understand something the reason why I call it the solo ice generation is because people like Dave Chappelle people like Steve Harvey grew up at a time where this book either was coming out or came out or existed for years and so that means that in those times, a lot of people's fathers, as I was saying, the people of the Solon Ice generation really encapsulate what I believe to be people who were in their, you know, late 40s, 50s and 60s today. And a lot of those men have very traditional values, have very staunch, you know, resentments against the feminization of black men have a very strong tie to gender roles, have a very staunch position on what masculinity should look like is very narrow. And they also, also have a wide ranging space that they make for a man's transgressions, for a man's quote unquote mistakes to where they're like, let's, we're being too harsh. The man can't make a mistake. And I think that the thing that's created a very strong sense of cognitive dissonance on a whole generation of people is genuinely the fact that these men don't understand the impact of what they believe. And that's what the issue is. That's what the problem is. Like you're not this extraordinary human being because you kind of beat poverty. You beat it. You're a celebrity. Now we deserve to treat these people as bastions of the community and that's what we're supposed to do. It's not how it should be. You should be held accountable for when you do wrong, especially when you do wrong and cause harm to your own community, either by way of directing men to do things to cause harm or perpetuate misogyny in some way, shape or form, which they both have done. They both have done just those two examples. And that's just two men. But think about the, the gatekeepers. Think about the leaders of various different industries right now and what they're able to do and what they're actually capable of and what they're doing with their power. In a lot of instances, in a lot of cases, they all they do is perpetuate this, you know, cling, this clinging to, you know, capitalism, this understanding that the world that they live in is one where they can only control. And that's a weird world, to be quite honest. But I feel that There is something that needs to be addressed about all of these things. And I think it's a hard pill to swallow for those who are the majority listeners of my podcast, and that's black women. And I think that the support from women is really the. The how can I say this, the stability. That's needed to keep these men within this status. When you think about R. Kelly, Chris Brown, Tory Lanez, even. They have a strong hold over 
the affinity for women in some way, shape or form. A lot of black women still come to their aid, still make space, still make room for them and receive their transgressions as things that we can just forgive and let go. There's not a united front on that side. It's not. It's not a united front with black women when it comes to these things. It's always a lot of women who, you know, people would probably call pick me's and things like that, that consistently are showing up in a way where they say that we need to ease up. We need to let it go. We need to stop tripping. <laughs> and I, and I, I push back against it. And I think that, you know, Chloe and company are really some of the biggest reasons why these things continuously keep coming up because when you collaborate with a person like Chris Brown, the Tory Lanes, when you buy into, you know, certain individuals like a Dave Chappelle, you're validating that they're, they're you're, you're still validating them as an artist and as a person, because a lot of the things that they create, they still, they want it, it their personal things. We're not talking about art all the time. It would be one thing if it was just music and we didn't know anything about these people, but we do. And we live in an industry of today where we have to be truly intellectually honest. People utilize their personal lives to push up their brand in some way, shape or form, show their families, let us know what they believe in religiously. Let us let us in on their lives. Let us in on their home. Let us in on their diets. Let us in on these various things to uplift their brands. So when it comes time to judge the transgressions that are happening only in their personal lives, they say, hey, Y'all need to mind y'all business. And that doesn't work that way. <laughs> You're a celebrity. And I'm not saying that you can't have privacy. I'm saying when you do things that come to the light, they now are public domain. If you don't want people to talk about you going upside your wife's head, don't go upside your wife's head in the dark. That's how that goes. You can't be mad at us for talking about the things you did wrong. That's just what it is. But to wrap it up and to also close out the TikTok by TikTok, I want y'all to understand something. I want y'all to understand that separating the art from the artist is possible as I addressed in the previous episode of Separate. But I still want to assert that it is intriguing to me that we still have this phenomenon occurring at its highest of heights. I've seen multiple, multiple, multiple people push against the idea that they should, people should let these folks be. Listen to the music, leave them alone, let them be. That ain't our business. Who cares? You don't go this hard for people in your own lives. They say a lot of things to kind of scapegoat these things. To me, I think that the one thing that I would like to point out is why it do you as a person who still supports someone who might be a problematic, quote unquote, fave of yours. Why is there some inclination for, to get acceptance for that, to not get judged by that, to not feel shame? by others and to yourself because shame is one where you got to feel it too. How can any of these things occur if you really don't give a damn? If you really don't care what people say, you want to listen to what you're going to listen to anyway. 
Why does it matter? Hmm? Why does it matter? I think that's something to think about. Something to, you know, marinate on. Something to, you know, to just stick with, you know. Get, get a little food for thought. You understand? But I think you can choose to separate the artist from the art, but you can always, always, always create the vocabulary to state why you stand on what you standing on. And if that's hard for you, then you might want to consider if you should keep standing on it and why you standing on it so hard. It's getting weird sometimes that people want to truly, truly, truly ignore and develop more and more complexes and dissonance, cognitive dissonance to people who have blatantly done wrong because when people do wrong to them, they want sympathy. They want empathy. They want people to take care of them. But it's like, oh, no. Remember, you didn't care about this person who harmed dozens of people. So why should we care about you? And that's harsh, but it's true. That's all I got to say. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. If you don't know, you should know that you can tune into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast called Simply King. Everywhere podcasts are available. Follow me at Kings underscore memoirs on everything. Follow the podcast at Simply King Pod. And make sure, make sure, make sure that you make sure that you tap in with at Life is King on IG and go check out the website lifeisking.com to book me for a consultation for your creative production and digital marketing needs more content coming that way more examples and things and you know more resources coming that way as i said throughout the episode make sure you go and subscribe to the patreon starting at five dollars for have a little fun give me 20 to have a little bit more that's how it goes you know appreciate you appreciate you appreciate you sticking with me it's a new year it's black history month we in this thing you know what i'm saying let's end it up on a good note with a little bit of <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of, you know what I'm saying, spicy, uh, spicy topics, you understand? But make sure you share, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Appreciate y'all. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. <laughs>